0: amen good morning Church good morning. Good, morning. Good, morning. good morning all right still catches me off guard when he said Reverend Kelvin I was like who's that oh that's um, um, a newly ordained minister at Life Church um, excited to be here with you this morning I like to draw your attention to our scripture for this morning which is Psalm 133 if you are on the website you can scroll down to um, the section with the message and the scripture is shared at that point on the website and i would like to read that with you this morning psalm 133 new international version how good and pleasant it is when god's people live together in unity i'll share that verse one more time how good and pleasant it is when god's people live together in unity It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, We thank you for this day. We thank you for life. We thank you for breath in our lungs. We thank you for this opportunity to worship you together as a community of Christ. Dear Lord, as um, Pastor Mark brings this word this morning, we pray that you would open up our hearts that we might be able to receive what you have given him to share with us this morning. And we pray blessings over him as, he's bring, as he brings forth your word. May a blessing fall on everyone within the sound of my voice this morning. We love you, we praise you, we magnify you. It is in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. 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 And let's uh, give a hand clap of praise as Pastor Mark comes up to join us this morning.
1: Amen, amen. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Can you stand to your feet? Let's give God a hand clap of praise together, please. Let's give God a great big hand clap of praise. And let us pray together. God, we are so grateful again for allowing us to be alive to see this day, a day that we have never seen before, a day that we will never see again Yet you have called us to this moment. You saw this day. And so we submit ourselves in this moment. We yield ourselves to what your Holy Spirit desires to do to us and through us, with us. Holy Spirit, have your way. And open the ears of our hearts. Open the eyes of our hearts so that we can see you so that we can see only you. Now, God, we thank you for being way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Our God, that is who you are. And we pray these blessings in the mighty name of Jesus, that name that is above every name, the mighty name of Jesus we pray let everyone say amen. amen. Let everyone say amen. Amen. Let everyone say amen. Give God one more hand <laughs> clap of praise here. You may be seated in the presence of God. I want to start by saying thank you to my love Chapel Hill family. Thank you all for this invitation. Thank you to Justin and Joel and the team for allowing me to come and be a part of this series on the book of Psalms. I am very excited to be here, very excited to be here. This is, uh, aside from Life Church. this is one of my favorite spaces to preach and to teach. And I pray that you are ready to receive God's word today. Anybody ready for God's word today? Amen. 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 Uh, before I get into the Psalm that Reverend Dr. Bullock just read for us, I want to make a special, special acknowledgement on uh, tomorrow, which is August the 8th. My son will be turning 13 years old. Can you say that? <laughs> We've got a 13 year old, guys. <laughs> this is my son, and the cool story about this is that he was born August the 8th, 2009. And then LA, my, my wife Amy and I, planted Life Church in September of 2009. I have no idea what we were doing what we were thinking but this is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes and I just wanted you to see my son in whom I am well pleased this is that guy this is that guy and uh yeah amen amen and we feel so very blessed So very blessed. So I want you to see him. I also want you to see my wife as well. Would you stand up? Yeah, there you go. That's Amy. We've been married for 15 glorious years. Um, uh, yeah, um, she, she's going to get me after this is over because she hates the attention. And, uh, actually I didn't ask her to stand to celebrate the 15 years of marriage. I asked her to stand because if you see her stand again, she's communicating to me that I'm taking too long with the, <laughs> with the sermon, right? So I just wanted you to know what she looks like. She, she's not saying amen to the sermon. She's, she's actually telling me to land the plane, land the plane. All right. I also want to give an acknowledgement to uh, one of the best churches this side of heaven. Which is Life Church, and uh, so I want to thank God for the lifers that I see out there, lovers and lifers together in the same space. That is amazing. That is amazing. I, I did notice, uh, and I do want to talk to just some 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 Life Church folks uh, in this moment. I did notice that while the attendance in person uh, may be a little sporadic for some of the lifers. When I said we were coming to UNC, they showed up, right? So I just want you all to know, I'm making a list and checking it twice. Um, I, I am a fan of Duke. Uh, I probably lost 90% of the audience when I said that. So it's gonna be real work today for the Holy Spirit to help you hear the sermon in light of that. But no, all jokes aside, I, I love this opportunity. And again, we are grateful when Love Chapel Hill called and asked if I would come, I said yes, and I knew in that moment I wanted to bring all of the Life Church family. So again, we are honored to be in this space with you today. All right. Without further ado, let's get into God's word today. And again, Reverend Dr. Bullock read for us Psalm 133. What he didn't read, which I want to call your attention to, is the superscription, the inscription uh, that you see. The words leading into this song, right? Psalm 133, depending on which translation you have, has these few words before verse one. In the King James version, it says a song of degrees of David. Perhaps in your translation, it says a song of ascent, of David. God bless your word and bless your people by your word. In your name we pray. Amen. I want to title this message simply The Climb. The Climb. I have this cousin that. Uh, My family goes to visit in Maryland uh, every year around Memorial Day. And then um, my cousin and his family will come to visit us in North Carolina, usually around 4th of July or Labor Day weekend. And we always, my my cousin and I, we always find a way to work out together. And uh, that's not necessarily for health reasons. We we know that uh, we need to stay healthy. But most of the time, we're just trying to burn calories in advance of the food that we're about to eat. And both of us are competitive. We are competitive. And we've never said it. We've never spoken it. In fact, if he's watching this, uh, then I'm saying something that we've never shared with each other. But when we're working out, it's always a competition. We've never said it. We've never spoken it, but we always feel it. It's always like this light competition. And when I go to Maryland, he's more of an indoors kind of guy. He loves the gym. He loves the treadmill specifically, and he'll do intervals on the treadmill. He'll speed it up, slow it down. And uh, you know, so when in Rome, I do it, what the Romans do, I, I enjoy the gym as well. So I'll get on a treadmill beside him and I'll try to mimic his workout. Well, when he's in North Carolina, I like to be outside. I like the sound of these birds that we hear. I like the North Carolina sunshine beating down on me as I am outside doing my cardio and because we have this unspoken competition going on he, he can always beat me if it's about a straight line if it's about a flat line if it's about flat road flat surface he can always go for longer than I can go but when I get him here in North Carolina when we're outside doing our thing uh there are, are some spaces and some terrain the route i take i'm intentional to make sure those routes include hills because while he can beat me in a straight line i know that once we start hitting those hills it's going to be a different story the hills any, any anybody familiar with, with the hills, anybody working out, and then you hit a hill unexpectedly, and something changes, doesn't it? Uh, My wife Amy and I, we work out together as well, and on our walks, we will be planning the next 120 years of our lives together. We are moving and we are discussing things about our relationship and making decisions for our son Ethan, but the minute we hit a hill, things change. She's smiling at me right now. Things change. When we hit that hill, something happens. Our breathing changes, right? Our heart rate rises, right? Our pace slows down. And we become strangely silent in those moments. And it's because the hill has introduced for us this word resistance. Everybody say that, resistance. Say it again, resistance. In fact, if you're taking notes, I want you to write that word down. That's an important word for what I'm going to share today. There is this resistance. You know resistance, right? It, it, it's those of you, when it, it's when you're on the bike and you're turning the red knob to the right. It's for all my Peloton people, for all my Peloton people, resistance. It, it's when you're on the treadmill and you manipulate the left side of the 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 board on the treadmill that's for all my orange theory people right it's it's when you add the cinder block or the bands that's for all my boot camp people i'm just making sure I, i i get everybody in the sermon all right everybody say it again resistance resistance rarely feels good to us but it's so often good for us resistance is it it rarely feels good to us, but it is so often good for us. And if you think about that, that's really, that really can describe many of the blessings of God in your life. If you look back over your life, the the, the great blessings, the great lessons that you've learned in your life, if if you really analyze those blessings, if, if it is a blessing that has come from the Lord, often you will see places where there has been resistance, where God has strategically used resistance to bring a blessing into your life. Resistance is, it rarely feels good to us, but it is so often good for us. Hold that for a moment. I wanna talk about the psalm today we're in a series, for those of you who may not know, where Love Chapel Hill is in the midst of a series on the Book of Psalms. They've been covering Psalms all this summer and there have been some amazing, amazing speakers and teachers who have contributed to the series. And I invite you, if you are a podcaster, to go to Love Chapel Hill's page and make sure you get some of those sermons. It's been such a blessing. I probably won't do it justice today the way these other teachers have, but I do want to say a few things about it. The book of Psalms often referred to as Israel's prayer book or Israel's hymn book, right? It is a collection of Hebrew poems that are prayers and prophecies and praises to the one true and living God. The book of Psalms, 150 in total, broken down into five divisions, right? Five sections of the book of Psalms. And the psalm that we read earlier, Psalm 133, would be located in the book, but is also a part of a subsection of Psalms referred to as the Psalms of Ascent. Everybody say Ascent. Yeah. It's the Psalms of Ascent. Now, uh, these Psalms are important because within the Psalms you can find um, a Psalm for every occasion and every emotion. That's what the people of Israel would be using the Book of Psalms for. pull on this for their special occasions and they will pull on this to find connections with the emotions that they felt God created us to be beings that feel, that exist, that are connected to the existential world around us. They they had a song for everything. Just like we have an app for everything, they had a song for for everything. And the Psalms of Ascent were a unique collection. It was a collection of uh, about 15 Psalms, starting from Psalm 120 and going through Psalm 134. And with these particular Psalms, they would use these. uh, Now there is some debate um, that the Psalms of Ascent, um, they were connecting that to Israel's time in captivity and coming up and out of Babylonian captivity. That's one way to think of it. An- another uh, translator said that uh, the 15 Psalms of Ascent were connected to the 15 steps that were in the temple and that they would often read one of the Psalms as they stepped up to the place of worship. But the the most um, popular understanding of the Psalms of Ascent is that they were drawn upon whenever the uh, Hebrew people were making pilgrimage to the city of Jerusalem. For you see, uh, they would go to Jerusalem as their place of worship for these various festivals, including the festival of feasts and the festival of tabernacles and the festival of booths, these celebrations. And as they were coming from the lower lands up to Jerusalem. Jerusalem sat on a hill. Jerusalem sat elevated. As they were coming from their spaces and moving up in elevation, they would often sing these psalms together. And so Psalm 133 is a psalm of ascent. Can you imagine with me for a moment um, walking along, and you start to hit a hill, an elevation. And you know that at the end of this elevation is your goal, your the space of worship, the space where we will all be gathered together. And they would break out in these songs together as they moved up in elevation, as they moved from where they were to where God was, as they moved from where they were one level to the level that God was calling them to. This was a psalm of ascent. And Psalm 133 is only three verses, right? We get in the first verse, the theme of this psalm, which is unity, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren, for God's people to dwell together in unity. Can you say unity? I need you all to talk back to me on one of those kind of speakers. Can you say it again? Unity. unity. Yeah. Yeah. You can make some noise. You can laugh at all the jokes. You can clap. You can say, man, you can snap your fingers if you want to. I need you to make some noise. All right. So can you say it again? Unity. unity. If you're taking notes again, write that word down. That's a very important word here. That is the theme of Psalm 133. So verse one gives us the theme. Verses two and three then use illustrations to describe that theme. Verse two describes unity as oil. Verse two describes unity as oil. But not just any oil, it is the oil that was used for the purposes of anointing. Do you see it in verse two? It it, it talks about the oil that was used in Exodus 29, Leviticus 8. When, When the priests were being ordained for their office, God commanded Moses to pour oil over their heads. This was an oil signifying that they were set apart. They were being set apart for a specific and special work. They had a special assignment. And their consecration, their setting apart, their being special was signified by this oil being poured on their heads. The Psalter, David, the writer, David, is saying that this this unity is is connected to this oil that was poured on the head of the priests, which is to suggest to us, watch this, that unity is sacred. Unity is sacred. I'm not talking about something normal. I'm talking about the God intended, the God honoring, the God pleasing kind of unity is actually sacred. It is special. It is unique and it has a special purpose in God's agenda. Verse two suggests that unity is sacred. Verse three then suggests that unity is constant. Unity is intended to be constant. The writer says that that the God-pleasing, God-honoring, God-ordained kind of unity is similar to not just oil but dew. The dew that flowed from a certain mountain called Mount Hermon. This mountain was uh, estimated 125 miles away from and higher than Mount Zion, the space of Jerusalem. And and the writer is saying that for as far as that distance is, there's something special about this mountain because it, it always snows there, it always rains there. There's always some sort of moisture. The moisture is constant and the moisture that flows from this mountain down to the lower sections surrounding it is connected to the kind of unity that God is suggesting. It is constant, it is uh, consistent, it is sustained. God expects for the God kind of unity to be sustained. It is sacred, it is constant, it is sustained. And this describes the blessing, the blessing of Unity, can you see it a little clearer now that this is not just getting together, but this is getting together with God's intention? Are you listening to me? Yeah, yeah. people might look at what we're doing now and say and see unity, but just because we are together doesn't mean that we are in unity. I'll snap. It's okay. Uh, Lady Amy and I, we've been married. I keep saying Lady Amy and I, that, that's our, our moniker for her, a nickname for her. We uh, We got married 15 years. We've been married for 15 years now. And I remember early on in our relationship, our marriage, we were still figuring things out. Of course, I thought I had it all figured out. We were still figuring it out. We were still figuring out each other's love languages. Uh, And at the time, we've evolved, but at the time, hers was quality time. So being the consistent husband of the year that I am, I made it my effort to speak her love language. And I'm a competitor, and I feel like things should come easy for me, so I got it, right? Quality time, no problem. Quality time. So what I would do is, um, especially during the fall, during football season, What I know is that a football game is gonna last around three hours. (laughs) So I would get some good food. We would sit down together on the couch to watch the game. I know we're gonna be together for at least three hours. Abracadabra, quality time. Some claps, some claps. Um, So so forgive me if I was a little surprised when we are having talks of accountability, that's what I'll call those, talks of accountability. And she was complaining of us not spending time together. I'm like, wait a minute, we spend time together at least once a week on Sundays for three hours. I know that we are getting quality time, but being together does not mean that you are spending intentional quality time together. It does not mean that you are united. The writer is suggesting something different here. That although we use the term unity, we have to define the term. We don't get to define that term and expect for everyone else to live by our definition. Unity is God-ordained. Unity is God-defined. The kind of unity that God suggests is God-honoring and God Pleasing. Notice that uh, notice the movement in these verses. The this is a song of ascent. These were sung as they were on their way to the space of worship. While they are going up, the description of the unity is flowing down. While they are making their way up to where God is. God is rolling down the blessing. The oil is flowing down. The dew is falling down. They're making their way up and God is sending something back down. But while verses, the dog is saying amen. (laughs) Listen, y'all can be quiet if you want to as long as the dogs holler back, I'm good. While, While verses two and three describe the, Blessing, the blessing of unity is explained, but the challenge of unity is implied. You have to go back to verse one to see it. Some translations say how good and how pleasant it is for God's people to dwell together. But there are other translations that say for brethren to dwell together. And while the blessing may be clear and explained, the challenge of unity is implied. There is a challenge to unity. We're sitting here in Coker Arboretum. We're sitting here in a space that is picturesque, a space that is beautiful to the eye. We're sitting on a campus that is known around this world. It is historical. We're sitting in the midst of buildings that are famous and well known. But while we're sitting in this space, there is something else going on. Many may look at this moment and see unity, but there are some of us who are in this moment who are very aware of the trauma that is in this space very aware that it was on the backs of enslaved folks that built many of these structures that you see around us, very aware that the space that bears the name Coker is related to uh, an owner of a plantation, very aware that it was just 2018 that Silent Sam was removed from these grounds, very aware that although we have made significant progress, there is still so much and so far to go. We don't get to define what unity looks like. Unity is not just simply us being together, but it is us being together with a purpose. I like to refer to it this way. It's corny and cheesy. Be prepared for it. But unity is unit with why. It's kind of pity kind of, kind of you, right? Unity is unit with a why. Unity is unit with a why. And Love Chapel Hill, Life Church, we can remain comfortable in our spaces on our levels, or we can embrace the challenge that is unity. I want you to see what just happened as I was talking about some of the trauma, some of the blood that cries from these grounds, some of the history of just this space. Did you see what happened? Did you notice what happened? The breathing changed. The heart rate started rising. The pace became slower and it became strangely quiet. Can I tell you that the challenge of unity, just because we're having difficult conversations doesn't mean that it is negative. No, I think that we are more mature than that. I think that God has presented us with this beautiful opportunity to move towards something that it is impossible for us to do on our own. We have to lean into who Jesus is. And I wanted to take an opportunity to challenge you. I did not come with answers today. I did not come with solutions today. I did not come with suggestions today. I only came with one question. Will you join me for the climb? Here's a challenge. It's difficult, but the end result of it is beautiful and divine and sacred and sustained and constant for at the end of chapter three, at the end of verse three, rather, the writer says that God has commanded a blessing that will last forevermore. In other words, what's implied is when we do the hard work, when we do the messy work, when we do the challenging work of forging this God ordained, God pleasing, God honoring unity, God has assigned a blessing for us that will last forevermore. Again, I did not come with answers. I did not come with solutions. Those will come in time. But what I can tell you to get us started is that I think unity has something to do with this table. I think unity has something to do with this table. I think the God kind, the God honoring, the God pleasing uh, uh, unity has to do with us remembering what the Lord has done. For in addition to salvation, in addition to changing our eternal destinations, this table reminds us of the cross that provided a bridge, a connection between us and God. Do you see it? A bridge that not only connects us to us and God, the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. And the second commandment is just like the first to love your neighbor as yourself. We don't get to define what unity is. We don't get to define who our neighbors are. There is a bridge where there has been division. There is now a bridge because of what Jesus has done for us. We are now reconciled to the one who has always loved us. There is a bridge and not only is the bridge vertical, but the bridge is horizontal and the bridge is far reaching, which is why at this table everyone is invited. This is the unit with the why. This is how we begin to even begin to imagine what God-honoring, God-pleasing, God-ordained, God-intended unity is to look like. It is what the Lord has done. And as you bring your hearts into this moment, as we prepare our hearts to take of the bread and the wine, the bread that was broken for us, the body representing the body that was broken for us, representing our healing, representing the punishment that we were supposed to take as we prepare to drink of the wine, the blood that was shed for us, for what can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make us whole again? Nothing but, the blood of Jesus. What can bring the God kind of unity? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I'm going to ask if those who would arm, man the table, if you would come up, for those who are um, managing this moment, if you would come forward. Um, I know that for uh, Life Church, and maybe for some of you who are um, unfamiliar with Love Chapel Hills rhythms. Um, we do communion in in different ways, but I want to invite you today to partake of this. I also want to honor that we are in a season of, of 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 COVID and and navigating the effects of that. And so I want I want to be clear that there is no pressure to participate in this very specific way. No one's going to judge you if you just. Dis- this moment if you decide not to take communion in this way but I want to remind you that this table at this table everyone is invited and today as we partake together of Holy Communion I want you to think about the theme of Psalm 133 unity it is this unit with a purpose with A goal with an intention. It is this unit with a why. Let us hear the songs together and be instructed, be led by those who are instructing us.